Hi, and welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. This is our 18th video cast, eight podcast for the week ending February 21st, 2020. So I'd like to kick it off this week. First off, thanks for joining us. And I'd like to thank Jennifer Ablin, the U.S. Markets Editor of the Financial Times, for including me in her article on February 18th, Record Wall Street Rally Triggers Boom in Options. This was, in my view, one of the most important subjects covered this week. I think CNBC covered it two or three times that day. Bob Pisani and Scott Wapner on the Halftime Show went into this. Uh, with one of the Nigerian brothers as well. And there was a report out by Goldman Sachs that said that the notional value of options as a percent of the total share volume is at all-time highs. And we're going to talk about that in this video cast podcast quite extensively because it's an important subject and what it may imply moving forward. So... Um, if you want to see that, uh, we have it here on the website under Featured On, and you'll be able to see that. We're going to go into that in a second. First, uh, second thing I'd like to do is to thank Ellie Terrett over at Fox Business and Liz Clayman for having me on the Clayman Countdown uh, yesterday, Thursday at 3 p.m. Uh, <laughs> my wife recorded this while our seven-year-old daughter was trying to FaceTime grandma uh, uh, at the same time. So it's not the best recording, but you can hear the full message. And I talk a lot about this concept that Jennifer broached in her article in the Financial Times. So you definitely want to take a listen. You could also find that under this featured on button on the website. And if anyone has a better copy of this, this was the claim and countdown on February 20th at three, just after 3 p.m., uh, go ahead and email us at info at hedgefundtips.com. We'd love to get a better copy up, but uh, uh, still tune in and, and listen to the message. So let's get down to business. Uh, first off, just to uh, get into the article that uh, Jennifer wrote, I had some additional commentary. Obviously, not all of it could fit into the article, but what I was basically saying on the basis of this chart here is that managers have a severe case of FOMO right now, fear of missing out among active managers, underperformed in 19, and you could do it once, but you can't do it two years in a row, otherwise you have real career risks. So they're scrambling to get exposure after you know close to 20% off the August lows and now about 42% or so off of the December 2018 lows. And they're doing it at you know, what can be close to the wrong time, right? Right after a, a major trend is, is exhausted in the short term and we're ready for a pullback. And the last time we had this, uh, a record high in this relationship between the notional value of stock options to total value of stocks was in spring of 2012. Why is that important? Well, for those of you who've been around a little while, if you remember in the summer of 2011, we had the huge Eurozone crisis and the S&P 500 actually corrected 20% during that period, just like we had about a 20% correction in December of 2018. And what happens when you come out of such a, you know, what for some people is like a traumatic decline, um, every manager is waiting for the next shoe to drop because of recency bias. And that's 
oftentimes exactly when it doesn't drop and it just keeps trending higher. So in the case of 2011, uh, October was the low to spring 2012, March, April, uh, the rebound after the 20% correction was over 32% and it just kept going and going and going. And guess what? The managers that had missed it underperformed in 11 were panicked because they thought that they'd get the pullback and a chance to buy in and they never did. So what did they do? They all panicked in spring of 2012 to try to get exposure uh, through options so they could get basically twice the exposure for you know 10% of the cost at the exact wrong time. And when you have that many people doing the exact same thing, chasing at the end of a move, you can guarantee that the market's set up to make sure that all of that option premium expires worthless. And that's exactly what happened. Did we get a crash? No. Are we expecting a crash now? No. Um, but what you did get after a 32% move is you got a 10.9% pullback correction over the next couple of months that rendered all of that new option premium, again, record high option premium here, worthless, just in time for everyone who jumped on the bandwagon at, at in the late stages of the move. So we run a similar risk here, only it's more pronounced this time. And instead of a 32% move off the bottom, we've had a 42% move in the S&P. And now everyone's chasing the key flavor of the day stocks. And you guys know which ones I'm talking about. Um, you know, Microsoft, uh, all, all the high flyers, Teslas, etc. And if past is any prologue, this is not enough data points. Okay, so I wish this went back to 1980, but they don't have the data. Uh, but it's indicative of chasing with leverage, and it's usually at the wrong time. So uh, while I said on TV and in the article this week, which we're going to get into a moment, that we might have another couple of percent uh, on the upside before we get a nice healthy pullback, and then the back half, I'm very uh, sanguine on the outlook. I think you know this coronavirus will be a thing of the past. This is usually seasonal, even if this is not handled as you get into warmer weather, it subsides. We've had mixed days. You know, we had a good couple of days where the numbers went down. Now we've got a bad couple of days where it's going into other countries. But the key thing in is most in most of the developed world, we're moving into springtime. And if they can't figure it out scientifically, we're just going to get a break from the weather. Whether it comes back next year when it gets cold or not, that's another story uh, to be determined. But uh, but I think that the market can use this as an excuse. Number one, because earnings will be impacted and we're going to talk about how it's already impacted earnings. So, you know, the market in the intermediate term will look through the short term weakness from Q1. But I think in the short term, it's going to use it as an excuse to digest the 42 percent gain off the bottom and the exhaustion move, especially when uh, multiples are expanding into declining estimates. Um, which is often not a great formula. So uh, if you want to get a little more color on this options concept, do go ahead and read this article. It says, my quotes in the Financial Times today. You can find this under Featured On, and you can understand kind of the mindset that goes into this chasing as the market climbs the wall of worry and, and the pullback that everyone's looking for doesn't come. And then why... 
at the end of the move, managers buy tons of options versus stock because they haven't, they're trying to find a quick way to get lots of exposure uh, so they don't miss more of the move and underperform uh, even more, which is often the worst thing to do at the worst time. So we'll see, but that's, that's kind of how it's played out historically. Uh, next, we had the, this was a chock full of data week, very exciting week. Uh, I hope it's ex as exciting for you as it is for me. I love this stuff. Uh, but we had the Bank of America Global Fund Manager survey results and a couple findings here. So this is a survey, monthly survey, one of the key data points I look at each month of 200 fund managers with over 600 billion of AUM. And basically, uh, so this came out on the 18th, uh, three days ago, and what managers are looking for, they have concerns about the economy, obviously coronavirus is new, but they still see uh, two, three percent of upside for the whole of 2020. I think that's a bit conservative because while I do expect, um, you know, maybe a little more gas here, a couple, one, two, three percent, and then uh, we'll get a, 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 a pullback for some time. I think the back half of the year is going to look very good because what we're missing right now is earnings. OK, and they're going to come down in Q1 from coronavirus. But that back half, when that 737 max comes back online from Boeing, you can add 16 at least $16 of earnings. I know Boeing's come down about $16 in the last 60 days. So you're going to add that back the minute you get the thumbs up from the FAA. And that's going to help the back half earnings. It's going to take the multiple down probably from 19 to 17. And everyone's going to want to get exposure. It's also in line with the average seasonality of an election year for an incumbent president. What happens is you get a rally into mid-February, flat sideways market until June, and then the back half takes off uh, into the election. So we'll see if passes any prologue on that thing, but that's the average uh, of the last 70 years. So it might, might be worth uh, uh, taking into account at least. The other thing... Um, Growth expectations came in a little bit from the Bank of America survey this month. Expectations for China obviously fell quite a bit. Uh, global corporate profit expectations dropped a bit. And positioning U.S. equities took precedent, value and growth and energy. Everyone's out of, which from a contrarian basis, uh, you know, we feel it warrants uh, taking a look, as many of you know, we've been building a position in long-term position in the exploration and production subsector since October, and we'll go through all our notes on that uh, towards the end of the call, or at least point you to where you can find it. And um, the other aspect that I thought was interesting is the most crowded trade. So uh, first off, managers increase their biggest positions in the growth sectors. Uh, it was the biggest allocation since July of 2008. What happened after that was not good uh, for the tech sector. And the other thing is they increased emerging market exposure by 3% month on month to a net 36. Uh, reduced cash levels. So they were, again, chasing here at, at, uh, after a monster 42% move, chasing at the tail end, bringing cash levels way down. Um, most crowded trades are growth and tech, number one, and long bonds. So if, in fact, we do get a pullback in coming months, 5%, 10%, uh, 
uh, after maybe a couple percent more to the upside. I think uh, certainly the most crowded trades are going to be the ones to feel it the most, last in, first out. And you can see the history here. So this is worth checking out as well. Um, you can just search this title, Fe February Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey Results. You can either um, just put it in this search bar here and the article will come right up. Or you can even Google that title and the article should come right up. Um, biggest tail risks. So, so what you can do with this, which is interesting, the most crowded trade, chart it because the last time we had this exposure to tech in August 18, it was called FANG uh, plus BAT, which is the equivalent of today's narrow leaders. Uh, what happened in the next few months for that sector was not uh, pretty. So uh, I, I don't think we're going to have an egregious correction. I, I do think we're going to have a, a pullback here uh, in coming months, you know, 7, 10% or so. And it, it should be led by the most crowded trades. Um, but go through this and see when you had these extremes of most crowded trades and look at what happened relative to uh, what they did on the chart. You know, so December of 16, what happened to the dollar after it was very crowded, etc. So take, take a look at some of that. Biggest tail risks. Uh, the election, uh, managers are afraid of a progressive Democrat getting in. So Bernie's uh, running with the ball. But if you look at election betting odds, he has virtually no chance of beating Trump. Uh, but it's early. You know, Bloomberg's got a ton of money. He's not bowing out after the debate performance. And he's doing a lot of creative things on social media. He'll probably do better in his second debate than he did in his first debate. So, you know, a lot of things could change. And uh, so just keep an eye on that. But that's a fear for managers. And the bond bubble is the second fear for managers. So biggest tail risk. Uh, and you can kind of see what happened with these things over time. Trade war was last year, didn't come to pass. Um, ah, this is interesting. Look at the EU sovereign debt funding. This was when they had the huge crash that I talked about from August through October 2011. Then we had the 32% rally. Everyone chased with options into spring, and then you got the 10.9% pullback. But this was the uh, fear du jour during that period. And now the fear du jour is, uh, was really the trade war uh, coming off the correction in August of 2009, 19, and December of 2018. Moving ahead. Uh, most likely to increase global inflation expectations, modern monetary theory, print to the cows come home. You can Google what that means. Uh, G7 infrastructure spend, that would be really constructive for global GDP and election of a progressive U.S. liberal. The other thing that just keeps coming up is the U.S. dollar. So a net 54% of surveyed investors said the U.S. dollar is overvalued. This is the second highest reading since 2002. And I keep pointing to what happened in 2002 after you had a reading this high was that the dollar subsequently fell in value by about 40% over the next two years. I don't think anything like that's going to happen. But boy, if we could get 3 4 5% weakness, that would really help earnings in the back half year on year. So it's something to keep an eye on with the Global Fund Managers Survey. Moving on to the article of the week, the short-term... 10 to 3 risk to reward stock market. 
So I started this article out talking about, you know, if you followed us for some time, you know that every article we've put out since August when the yield curve inverted and everyone said we were going to go into a recession, we started calling for a melt up into year end uh, just a couple of weeks after that in late August, early September. And we got it, uh, you know, 20 plus percent move. And um, so now why we're pointing that out is just that the we're saying that our view has changed okay so we rode that and while we do think that there's probably a little more gas in the tank in the next week or two maybe you know one to three percent upside maybe four percent if you really get a bout of euphoria you know you get a couple good days of coronavirus uh uh numbers go way down or something like that uh or some more good earnings uh, then you could have that final blow off with with people just getting squeezed out of the new fear the last two days and the people that were caught really offsides shorting aggressively into coronavirus and got whipsawed. So we got to take that that fear out. But from there, you know, if you look at, you know, one to three percent upside, what's probable is we have a seven to ten percent pullback coming in coming months. The risk reward. So your max upside is three, three rewards to three units of reward or 3% to 10 units of risk or, you know, max 10% kind of downside. And that's a, that's new. So this is the first week that we're coming out saying that. Um, and we made the case actually uh, publicly last week on Yahoo Finance. And we made the same case that, you know, we thought there was a little more gas in the tank the next few weeks, you know, maybe one, two, three, 3%. But what would happen is companies would start coming out and saying Q1's a little soft and taking guidance down, and the market would use that as an excuse to digest those you know, 42% gains from December 18 and 20% gains from August 2019. And sure enough, on I think Monday, on President's Day, Apple came out as the first big company to do that and say that sales were going to be soft. Now... The market looks through that in the intermediate term, but it affects the 2020 estimates. So what that does is estimates are coming down while the multiple is still high, 19 times forward multiple against a six-year average of 16.7 times. 19 times is great if earnings are going up. When they're going down, you have a short-term issue, even though the market will ultimately look forward look through it, even though Boeing will come back and bring $16 of earnings online in the second half. Uh, right now, the market can can probably use this uh, uh, to to digest. So um, so that was basically it. Three upside to 10 downside in, in coming months. And we paralleled it to the 2011 period based on what was happening in Jennifer Ablin's article about the people chasing options and and how it resembles that uh, kind of leverage chasing at the end of a move versus the beginning of the move. Um, as far as the short-term sentiment, it was a little high this week, up around 40. That can go a bunch higher, and, and I would imagine it will if we get a couple more percent before uh, the pullback. Um, Fear and greed came down a little bit. And then last week we were saying that, you know, based on this move off coronavirus, managers would have to panic in. And that's exactly what they did. 
went from 62.4% equity exposure to 86%. So we'll see if we get any follow through that with that in coming weeks, take them up to 90.95. And I think that's, that's going to be it for a little while. And then, uh, digest. Now, this does not matter for long-term investors, so just ignore that. Number one, none of this matters because it's only my opinion. See the terms on the website. This is not investment advice, but, um, you know, after you get this this type of push through, then, then I'd probably get defensive in the intermediate term if you're more of an intermediate term person. If you're long-term, this is nothing. This is a blip. By the back half, I expect we'll make new highs in the market and move beyond when those earnings come back to play. Uh, the other thing that we pointed out, obviously, uh, that we had been trimming these these fast movers the last few weeks, the, the message hasn't changed much. And we'd also been moving into laggard sectors and stocks that had not yet participated in the rally. And um, one of those subsectors is the exploration and production. You should read our thesis here. We go through the price of oil and the earnings power of the top 30 weights. In 2009, when it was trading down this low, the earnings power was $27 in the aggregate. 2016, it was negative $63. And uh, for 2020, the estimates are up around $68. So the estimates are up. Uh, the earnings power of these top 30 weights is up about you know 100 20 some odd dollars from 2016, up 150% from 2009, yet we're trading at the same price. The price of WTI came down to $33 in 2009, down to 20, I think $26 in 2016, and it's at $54 here. So it's just a huge amount of pessimism. It's a huge amount of sentiment. I think OPEC will step in in the coming weeks. You've got Libya offline, a million barrels a day. No one's really paying attention to, which is offsetting the d demand destruction of coronavirus. And if you get any cuts uh, coming forward, uh, you are also seeing refining margins pick up, which is usually a precursor for higher prices, which you're starting to see. And uh, these things are cheap. So um, we're in good company here. Uh, billionaire Leon Cooperman, who was on CNBC this week. You can click the link. He said he's got 15% of his portfolio in energy now, which is close to 300% overweight relative to the S&P 500, which the weight now is like 3.8% all-time low since World War II. And Warren Buffett, which no one really covered, they covered his Kroger buys, but they didn't cover the fact that not only did he put $10 billion into Occidental Petroleum Preferred last year, then he bought another 300 million shares of equity um, two quarters ago. But his most recent report he just put out, he added another, doubled his equity, but it's actually more than that. It's like another 400 million of shares. Uh, you can, oh, here it is. I, I actually wrote it down. 7.4 million shares to 18 million shares. So way more than double, 18.9 million shares. He added a ton of Occidental. You know, everyone keeps saying, what's what's Buffett's, Elephant. What's Buffett's elephant? Well, you know, $11 billion in energy was the biggest amount of capital he's put to work in the last, uh, you know, nine months, nine months, 12 months. So if you think that he knows what he's doing over the long term, it's someone to pay attention to. Now, in that vein, uh, today came in a very interesting print on unusual options activity in, of all names, Occidental Petroleum. And some fund or institutions purchased an aggregate of 10,614 contracts of September call options between 
$42.50 and $47.50 uh, strike prices. So they have the right to buy over a million shares of Occidental at, at those strike prices. And those all came in today on Friday. That's a big volume. We haven't seen that in a while. So uh, some smart money is moving into Oxy in that way. Now, moving on, we do sector earnings, the top 30 weights of each sector. We try to do two a week. We did four this week to catch up uh, on last week. And basically, we just measure the aggregate earnings power of the top 30 weights in the sector from 60 days ago to today. In the case of financials, over the last 60 days, the aggregate earnings power is up 1.09%. So that was constructive for the financial sector. Healthcare uh, came in uh, revised down about 34 basis points, so basically flat, relatively stable. Consumer staples, top 30 weights over the last 60 days are down about a half a percent, 58 basis points, so relatively stable, but again, coming in a little bit. And finally, we did consumer discretionary, and those were down barely a hair, five basis points, so more or less stable. But the S&P 500 itself came in again this week from 176.47 to 175.98. So it keeps creeping down for 2020. That's from the um, coronavirus and other factors that are offsetting the benefits we would have felt from the China trade deal phase one. Uh, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. And we'll pick that back up in the second half in a material way when we gain back, you know, 16 plus dollars from Boeing. And then you'll see these come up, multiple come down, and you should get a very strong back half, new highs in the market, etc. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about uh, the game plan. And as the facts change, we'll definitely change our mind. But that's why we do these on a weekly basis. So I'd love to thank you for tuning in. Um, if you're watching it on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. And we'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Make it a great one.